Thanks for listening to another episode of How Good Is Rugby League? We're stoked to be back for season five, and this year we're coming back bigger and better than ever. That's right, Michael. You've been busy over the off-season. We're now on Instagram, X, YouTube, and TikTok. And, of course, you can listen to us on all podcasting platforms. Now it's time for another episode of How Good Is Rugby League? Hello footy fans and welcome to a post-grand final, post-season 2022 edition of How Good Is Rugby League. I'm Emmanuel Penklis. Joining me is Michael Corbin. Michael. Emmanuel, season's over. It's over. We're done. What do we talk about and with each other for the next well, six months? I don't, I don't know why we bothered doing this podcast for 30 weeks because the inevitable happened. What everyone thought would happen at the start of a season, the Penrith Panthers are victorious yet again. Yep. 28-12 um, mm-hmm. winners over the Parramatta Eels, uh, and really the Parramatta never looked like winning. It was The first half of football was probably a perfect half of football yeah. for Penrith. They basically played perfect until the 70th minute. Foot off the gas a little bit, maybe. Uh, but they were absolutely dominant. Dylan Edwards was exceptional. Brian Toto was exceptional. Moses Leota, I thought, was just he. And we spoke about you know how important the front rowers would be coming into this game. Yeah, he set the tone early and just bent Parramatta back every time he made a tackle. He crunched someone. Yeah, I, I've never seen a team uh, play with so much aggression. And so much the finesse. It alternated between sort of this is the, the the gutsiest, toughest team to sort of this is the classiest, slickest outfit I've seen. And um, I was at, at the game, and the crowd would have been 65, 70% Parramatta, and the crowd were out of it after 10 minutes. Mm. Um, so dominant were Penrith. And, and I haven't seen Penrith in the flesh uh, play for, for a really long time and just to watch how slick they were with their lines and their setup and, and the, how the plays were going to take place and the space they found and it, it was incredible to watch um, and I think that I might take a different perspective to other people where I actually don't think Parramatta respected this game. I think Parramatta went into this game with a sort of business as usual approach and and didn't respect the opposition enough to try and be creative in how they were going to crack them i watching it live i did not think Parramatta had creative enough attack i just think it was very mundane it was sort of try and find a way to get around penrith which i didn't think was possible there's a lot of shifting from edge to edge but didn't find anything uh i thought the the fifth tackle options weren't great i thought moses kicked too many times to uh, straight to Edwards. Um, there are a lot of frustrated Parramatta supporters around me that just were so frustrated uh, by the, the lack of spark and creativity. Uh, and then you you know, you know contrast that with Cleary and Luai, who just the speed at which they got around everyone and, and the agility and, and Dylan Edwards coming out of the back and creating so much space and, and Brian To'o and um, it was just, yeah. 
I look. I I agree that I don't think I, I don't think Parramatta, Parramatta played poorly. I think that the performance that Penrith put in, they beat every team in the competition, and no one really stands a chance. I don't think Parramatta had an attacking set inside Penrith's twenty until like the sixtieth minute of the game. Now, early on, I think it was the first five minutes they got a penalty. They kicked yep. the ball, start set at halfway. They went for a trick play straight away. It was that fifty meter kick from that kick from Dylan Brown to Mitchell Moses. Yeah. If that pays off, yeah. Game on, right? That was that was before Penrith had scored any points. But I think after that fail, they just they had nothing. Yeah. Had absolutely nothing from that point on, and I I just think it took a bit of air out of them. That they'd obviously seen they'd obviously seen something. Uh, in film, and it just it never paid. That unfortunately didn't pay off, and they they, they couldn't recover from it. Um, and they never they never had the ball in attacking position again until till late in the game. And is Moses the guy to do that run? Is there no one faster than your halfback in the line? To the only it? other person is on that team is probably Wanga Blake, and he you know Moses Moses is quick. Moses isn't a slow player. No, he, he's not a slow player, but you know. Uh, I just thought that it was well-intentioned, but I think you're looking for a winger and you're probably not kicking it as deep and you're looking for more for space. Yeah. I, um, I, it was second tackle as well. I just... You had the ability... You had the... the you had the ability to be on Penrith's line early on in the game, maybe you get a repeat set and you kick on second tackle. I just... As, as gutsy as it was, maybe not the game plan to go in with. Uh, so, yeah, that... From then on, I just thought, you know, Nathan is... I want to have a conversation about Nathan Cleary. Yeah. Because he's 24 years old. Yep. He's just won back-to-back premierships. He has. One of them was a Clive Churchill. Yep. No one would have blinked an eye if he got Clive Churchill this year as well. No. He will be the halfback for Australia. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is halfbacks don't normally get to their best until they're 27. Yep. He's 24, like I just said. I think he's going to be one of the best players, if not the best player we will ever watch. He is exceptional at such a young age, and as long as he's on this Penrith Panthers team, they are a threat to win the competition every single year. 100%. That team, this is... We we just watched in the 2020 Grand Final, we watched the, the, the dynasty... The, the the end the changing of the guard mm-hmm. and it, I think we said in a podcast at the time that 2000 the 2020 grand final was quite similar to the 2006 grand final in that it was the, the previously dominant team up against the ascending team uh, that had one last victory like Brisbane beat Melbourne and then Melbourne beat Penrith and it's a changing of the guard yep. and whoever plays in grand finals now or plays for a spot in a grand final they have to fight Penrith for that right. And this is this is Penrith's... Penrith is one of those four teams that plays in the prelims, and Penrith is very likely one of the two teams that plays in the grand final. Yeah. And you're going to have any team coming up against that, and it's going to be Penrith wins their three in a row, four in a row, whatever it is, or Penrith has been in four of the last five or whatever. And that's how it's going to be. Yeah. Because this team has been together for so long and knows each other so well, and, and we're looking at a team... And a club that has not dominated rugby league like this since the since the fifties and sixties. 
And that that is incredible. In and like in the last three years, yeah. so from twenty twenty, yeah, seventy seven games they've played. Yeah, they've lost ten. Yeah, I know. And one of them was that grand final, and you know they they lost the first half of that grand final. Yeah, and came back in the second half, sixty six and ten in three years is insane. Yeah, insane how dominant they have been. And, and I actually think that because of COVID and the disruption of 2020, it's actually neglected a bit, yeah. that record, because yeah. it was just, it was a shorter season in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Penrith completely dominate that year if it's a full year. Yeah. And, and they achieve records you haven't seen. And yeah. you think about that, they lost one game that year and they drew one game. Mm-hmm. And then last year, I think they were just behind Melbourne um, and they lost, what, three, four games? And, it, it, you know, it's... It's it's an anomaly for any team, and I know Para had have had the wood this year, but their wood was two games, one of which Nathan Cleary was sent off, mm. and they weren't that convincing in their victory. No, the other thing is uh, eleven finals games over the last three years. I think eleven. Does that, right? Does that sound right? Yeah, eleven finals games um, conceded an average of eleven points. Yeah. So def- it's not just their attack; yeah. it's their defense. Their defense yeah. has been so strong for so long and the other thing is right they're going to lose Abby Coruscant they're yeah. going to lose Viliami Kikau but they won reserve grade they won Jersey Flag they won Jer- Harold Matz yeah but they're going to lose Cameron Serrado they're going to lose Cameron Serrado as well yes but like I just think that this team is so set up for the future as well that you know it's, I, I know Abby's a, a huge loss and yeah. we're going to talk about him yeah. later Sonny Lukey was one of the best players on the field in the Jersey... In the... Uh, what is it? The Rival Cup. Right, uh, the... the Was it New South Wales Cup versus... The Club Championship. Club Championship, yeah. yes. He was he was second, uh, second best player on the field behind yeah. Jermaine Hopgood, who is going to Parramatta next year. Right, they, like, they have... And he's going to be replacing Appy next year. They're... they're, they're no matter who goes down, they're going to keep being able to replace these players who they're going to lose because of salary cap pressure with guys that they've developed from their own feet, from their own system. And you know, Mike, the thing is, it's no no one like there are some. We talk about some brilliant coaches in this game. Like we talk about Wayne Bennett, talk about Trent Robinson, talk about Craig Bellamy, Des Hasler. There, there are some. There are some very successful coaches, and they've had three years and none of them have cracked it none of them have Bellamy won 2020 okay Wayne got close in 2021 but no, none of them have cracked the code to continuously beat Penrith no, no. one and, and Parramatta the other night just didn't look like they had any answer for it no not at all and, and not at all the, the answer to it is is just hold the ball and don't give them a, a breath and well, I don't and think that is Parramatta the, did a bad job they had an 80% completion rate at the start of, after the first half yeah, well, they, they didn't make errors. It's yeah. just that they couldn't get over the advantage line they because had, they, had, they, they had nothing. Yeah, they had 44% of the possession yeah. in the whole game and their territory, it was just that... I can't believe... I can't believe how hard it was for Parramatta to get a tackle. In, not in the Penrith 20, in the Penrith in the 30. Half, in the in Penrith's half. Yeah, and it was just... And any sort of... And Moses has a big boot. And he like he's one of the bigger boots amongst the halfbacks. Mm. And it just looked... Lack like it lacked any potency against Cleary's boot, and it's just I, I just and and I think Penrith are 
are even more in an advantage because there is such a shortage of halfbacks out there. There, there is a significant shortage of good playmakers out there, which explains why, like, Mitchell Pearce was a premiership winning half, but the Roosters went for the next best thing because there's no, like, the, the best thing, not the, the best next thing. best thing. They went the best thing. Yeah, they went up. Yeah, they, they went, went up. To, yeah, and that was the Cooper only Croc. way, that was the only way to get premiership success mm. was to go up. And unless anyone is getting Nathan Cleary out of Penrith, I just don't know how they've got a chance. It's, yeah, yeah. And it's, he's, he's perfect. He has every single facet of the game he has down. He's an excellent defender, excellent runner of the ball. His kicks, every single kick is pinpoint perfect. He's just meticulous. He's meticulous in his preparation, and you can tell how hard he works at it. That's the thing. That's the thing. I feel like, and I appreciate they're younger, but some some of the younger halfbacks, especially the, the fringe top eight teams, or the teams that aren't as good, they don't look like they put the effort in that Cleary does. They don't look like they've studied their opposition. Sometimes it just looks like they're winging it. But Cleary's little grubbers and kicks behind in the prelim against Souths, and then on the weekend shows the he studied thing, the defensive Same line. thing to Gufferson. Yeah. Caught in the line for yeah. one play. Yeah. Bang. One Grubber. Play and, and that's it. And then teams second-guess their structures. They take the fullback out of the line and Penrith run at you. Yeah. And it, it's just... It is just... They just completely decimated them and deconstructed and peeled off and targeted every weakness and and just the options they have and Luai's creativity and and, um, and the flair of To'o. Like, To'o was amazing. And Dylan Edwards running for 293 metres in a grand final is just yeah. incredible. To'o 299. And, yeah, and, and you, you're forgetting all the running that Dylan Edwards did, did in defence to, yeah. like, to chase down his tackle. Yeah. It's just... Um, Can we just... Uh, on that tackle. Mm. Excellent tackle. Yeah. Every fullback needs to make that tackle, though. Yep. It's not Scott Sattler's tackle. Because that one was a lot worse. <laughs> I didn't think it was Scott Sattler's tackle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, everyone's... Oh, my God. The Scott Sattler. He's a, he's a 13. Forward. He's a forward chasing down a winger. And yeah. he didn't have position. Yeah. Dylan Edwards is coming across and has perfect position. And... Uh, Bailey Simonson runs the worst line ever. Run inside. Yeah, that's I, to be honest. I, to be honest, I think you, I give credit to Edwards for that play because it's the desperation. Yeah, they were up. You, exactly, exactly. It's the play that yeah. doesn't need to happen, but it, it's the commitment. Yeah, exactly. And the determination to play the perfect game of football. Yeah, but I wouldn't expect anything less from him. Exactly. Um, now, for those of you that don't follow me on Instagram, uh, I was asked for my pre-game prediction about an hour before kickoff. Uh, and I said Penrith 28-12 and Dylan Edwards to win the Churchill. So nailed um, it. Nailed it and got nothing for it except nailed a shout out on my own podcast. Now <laughs> by yourself. By myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, what more could I ask for of me? Yeah, there you go. Um, but look, I um, I have to say in the losing side, Reed Marnie was the star. I loved the creativity of the little grubber. Uh, in your own goal, it remnants of Glenn Stewart in the 2011 Grand Final. Um, he was a talent. He'll be missed. I know they've got Josh Hodgson coming in, but um, Bulldogs um, should be so excited about Kikau and Reed Marnie mm. because I think they are two of the most creative players in their sides, two of the most potent players in those two sides that played on Sunday. Um, yeah. Marnie Marty has been excellent will shore up your defence he's excellent defensively doesn't overplay his hand in the attack which is one thing that I'm concerned about about Hodgson yeah. can 
overplay his hand and take the ball away from Moses and Brown, yeah. who I think need the ball in this Robbie team. Vibes. Yeah, so that, that's the one concern. But, you know, Hodgson's also coming off a torn ACL at age 32, 33. So, like, maybe maybe he doesn't. Maybe, maybe, exactly. And that's what you hope. And he, he does have an excellent service. Yes. So they are losing... Parramatta are losing uh, Marnie. They are losing Papa Ligi. Yeah. Um, and the music are like Tom Opacek, Ray Stone, uh, Makatoa, I think, is leaving as well. They're losing a fair few players. So it's going to it's going next year's going to be interesting for Parramatta. I don't know whether they can get like I always say you need to lose one to win one. I, I just I don't know whether they can get back there. I don't with, know if Penrith's going to let anyone do uh, that. I, yeah, exactly. You're going to lose one to lose one. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know where Parramatta end up next season. I'm I'm a you know unless one of the two halves ascends to another level. Yeah. So. Para. They have done that. Look, and Parramatta have done an excellent job of developing players like Sean Lane, career best year. Isaiah Papali, he's been the best second row in the game the last two seasons. He was not that before he came to Parramatta. Yeah. So they've done a really good job of turning solid players into great players. So maybe Brad, and that's all credit to Brad Arthur. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully they can do that with players coming into the squad. I'm sure they'll have some signings during the offseason. Yeah, I, it's so um, the other thing that's happening for Parra next year is Trent Barrett's coming to the club as an assistant coach. He's apparently cousins with Liam Martin, so there's some chatter that that could happen. But I, I think Parra, they're, they're in. I, I was so happy that they got there uh, because, especially for Brad Arthur, because he just copped so much heat and it was so unfair on him. And I just hope that they can capitalise on it because post '09, Parra capitulated. Um, and they just they just really need to maintain this momentum because when para para comes alive everything in rugby league comes alive like they, these fans coming out of nowhere and i know and i i think that it was just so great that they were there and just got back into a grand final and had the sense of it um for penrith i was actually surprised that there weren't more supporters there um considering that was their first Grand, full grand final that they were able to go to. Yeah. But I, I just think that maybe the, the club is is still growing, but I have a feeling just all their success is going to be the thing that grows the membership base. I think it's also just... Parramatta fan base is ginormous. Huge, it, is a, it is a huge fan base. Yeah. It is one of the biggest fan bases in Sydney. You know, they've been around a lot longer than Penrith. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's not nothing against Penrith. I just think that that Parramatta fair base is is big, and they would have they would have wanted to show out. Yeah, like as of um, July twenty twenty two, Penrith had. What does it even say? It doesn't even tell me how many they had, which was su- surprising. But Para uh, was the biggest Sydney club with thirty four thousand, yeah. uh, and that was in July when Para weren't really humming along. So. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, but I think in the years to come, th- this success at Penrith is just, it's incredible. Um, clubs are going to emulate it. And, you know, I just think they've got such the head, the head start on it. And, and that just, they're 10 years ahead of everyone. I do, uh, exactly. Like if they're, they're going to head into next season's favorites to go back to back to back, which yeah. we haven't seen since Parramatta yeah. in the eighties. And I think they have a, a far better chance of doing it than the Roosters did in 2020. Yeah, they don't look tired. They didn't look tired going into this no, game. They, they, this season was brilliant for them. I yeah. think Cleary 
only came back in round four, uh, which helped. He had a he a had lot a, of rest, a lot, a lot of rest everywhere, a lot of rest, um, and they relied and they gave experience to to other players through the season. I mean, Cleary took time off. Um, they went to Bali mm-hmm. after Origin three. Um, they didn't suffer the sort of the post Origin hangover that the Queensland teams, despite their success had in Origin, they yeah. had. Uh, and then they took, you know, Cleary had that long suspension and Luai was out too. And I think that helped their cause, uh, especially for Cleary, who, who could just practice and practice and practice. And he was, it sounded like he was absolutely ripping in a training, but just that sort of not having to go through the recovery and, yeah. and all that. And it's just, it's put them in such good stead. I, I do think that Sean O'Sullivan... Um, is a bit of a loss for them too. Yeah. Because he just filled in so well and I'm sure the next the next man up is going to be incredible. They also lost Katoa, who was yeah. the other the other guy who's also going to the Dolphins yeah. who was awesome in New South Wales Cup as well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's the, I think they did sign a half. I can't remember who they've signed. Um, they have signed someone. They're also getting uh, Luke Garner from uh, the Tigers Tigers. and Dean Hoskins from the Broncos, who was really good in the games he played for them. Uh, So, you know, they've got some players coming through. I think, I know they have signed a half. I just can't remember who. Um, And, you know, most of the team is... is, Most of the team for the... Contracted. Yeah, exactly. They'll all be back. Um, Yeah. I do want to talk about one thing. Yeah. Uh, One low low point for the game for me. Mm. And I can't... I can't believe if this if it wasn't as such a dominating performance from Parramatta, yeah. this would have gone down along with yeah. uh, from Penrith. This yeah. would have gone down as one of the worst calls since the six again, mm. and it was the obstruction by Kikau. Yeah. So how? Like, I just don't understand. How does this happen? How does it happen? I, I, every every single play. Like, I can't even think of a time this year where it was that blatant that it was an obstruction. I, I get Mitchell Moses put his arm out. Yeah. But what's he supposed to do? Yeah. If he didn't put his arm out, he's getting barreled into. Yeah. He also loses vision of the ball, yeah. which is an obstruction. Yeah. It is blatant, and it was a bad call. Yeah. It was, it was just a bad call. It was call. a bad call from a good ref. From a good ref. And it, look, it, thank God it didn't impact the game. Yeah. I just want to put that out there. No, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I'm with you. Um, yeah. It was, it was a... It, it wasn't one of my favourite grand finals. Um, no, maybe it might have been different, but being there, the atmosphere fell flat very quickly. Yeah. Uh, um, and it didn't have the tension that I thought it was. If it was a South Roosters game or a, a Cronulla Dragons game, I thought it might have been a bit more a sort of sparring between the clubs. But as I think we said. There's a bit of a manufactured rivalry about this, in my opinion. Yeah, I, like, I think it's there. I think it's there, and you know, the all the work. Like, it's kind of reared its head after the game with yeah. all the comments made by the Paramount players, players, players yeah. during their celebrations. You know, uh, what's his name? James Fisher Harris getting the crowd to chant "Paris sucks," and yeah. um, yeah. Luai saying uh, "Daddy's home" and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and look, I I don't mind that stuff. The one thing I didn't like was Appy saying uh, having a go at the tigers. Having a go at the tigers. That that's not a good look considering you're 
heading to that club. I just feel like, you know, the media jumps on those comments, but the media bags the Tigers more than anyone. They do, they do. But when you're the marquee signing of a team and you're supposed to go there and, you know, try turning it around, that doesn't, like, if you already think that, what hope does that give the club? Yeah. I, I think that was a bit tasteless. Oh, the other stuff, I don't care. Whatever. Fuel the rivalry. I'm just so glad. Fuel the rivalry. Because you know next year when these two teams verse each other, someone's going to get sent off. Someone's going to get Simbind or sent off. Just very happy that Kikau's not singing Glory Glory. That's all. <laughs> I can sleep slightly this year again. Yeah. Um, so I've got a, bit, a trivia question for you. Oh, Speaking yeah. of Abby Coruscant. Mm. So he's now won his third premiership. Yes. That is the mo- tied for the most in the NRL at this current point. There are four other players. Okay. Can you name them? Okay. Can I name them? Luke Keery. Correct. Momorowski? No. No? No? No, he's won two. He's won two. Has he won three? You've got the question. No, he hasn't won three. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so Luke Keery springs to mind. It's a lot of Panthers. It's got to be it. Someone's played Panthers, Roosters, Melbourne. Mainly, I guess. Um, Panthers, Roosters, Melbourne. Far out. This is tricky. Mm. Um, how many are there? Four. There's four of us. Four of You've got one. You've got Keery. This is a great question. Is there someone in the... Okay, so you mentioned Coruscant. Yep. Um, gosh. Who else from that South team went on to win premierships? Well, the Cronulla team. I'll tell you now. Mm. The, other t- the other three? Yep. All did it for the same team. As in, they, they've won all three premierships with the same team. So, uh, Jared? Yep. Tupo? Correct. There's one more. Yeah, who's the other one? Different team. This one took me a while. I had to do a bit of research on this one. It's not Munster. It's another Melbourne player. It's Would have been someone there for the, the 2000. Brunches. Yeah. Which one is it? It's Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> 2012. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. There you go. Cool. So, Appy, 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 you know, it came in for Isaac Luke, yep. who was suspended. Yep. But kind of, t- 21. kind of took the reins this year as the, the New South Wales hooker yep. a little bit. He's been really good for a really long time. You forget that Manly let him go because they thought they had a hooker in Manasseh Fino who could take over was a bit cheaper. Kind of let him just walk to Panthers and has been so important for them. Yeah. And, you know, history has a weird way of playing out, but South let Coruscant go because Isaac Luke had just signed long term. Yeah. A year later, Isaac Luke walks out on South, so South have to sign Dagan Cook. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious to see. Given the, especially under the coaching of Brad Fittler, that there is a hesitation to bring in 
good players from poorly faring clubs. It just doesn't happen as often. Mm. Um, and so given that Coruscant is going to the Tigers... Will we'll Brad... You know, yeah, will Brad yeah, we'll, lean... Will yeah. lean towards Cook to get, like, Murray... Or well, combo. There's a Reese Robson. Yeah. There's a or you could you know Blake Braley. You could yeah. blood someone new. Somebody something like that. Barney factor in. He's a Queenslander. Oh, is he? Yes. He's a Queenslander. He's a Queenslander. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, the other thing that's happened is um, teams have been announced for the World Cup. The squads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The squads have been announced. There's some strong squads out there. There are some squ- strong squads. Um, I'm surprised that. Dylan Edwards and uh, Nico Hines haven't been put into the Australian squad. They're on standby. Yeah. Um, I thought that... I, I understand Campbell Graham is an excellent player. Yeah. But I thought uh, I thought Dylan Edwards is a better player than him this year. Jack Whiten as well. Um, but if can Dylan got, Edwards play centre? No, but he can, repl- he can play fullback. Yeah. Who's, your, who's your replacement fullback? Latrell. Yeah, it's Latrell. Exactly. So, like, I, I think he could have carried Hines or Edwards on the bench instead of Campbell Graham and Whiten. Yeah. Like, you pick one of the two. Yeah. Um, I'm very but happy. But it's 13 for Australia. Yeah. I, I'm sure you are yeah. happy. And like, I think, I think, I, he's, I think, I think he's very... Like, I'm nothing against Edwards because Edwards doesn't play the, set, the yeah. position, but I think Campbell Graham's an excellent centre. I agree. Defensive. I think he is an excellent centre yeah. defensively. Uh, it will be Luttrell and Holmes starting, I would say. And I think so. Graham will get yeah. opportunities here and there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it's, it's a really strong squad. Uh, Cotter deserved his spot. Carrigan deserved his yeah. spot. Tedesco is the captain. Yeah. I would Murray's wish the vice Murray, and, Murray and Murray and Yo are vice captains. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see who they put across from Murray in the other edge. Yeah. I would think it's Crichton. It could be Nanai. Um, it's get it's it, it's a very strong squad. They are Australia are a dollar forty five favourites. Yeah, uh, you know the, the New Zealand squad's no slouch though. It's a good team. It is a good team. I just I think I just Australia think isn't a bad. It is a better squad. Takes that for me. And oh well, yes, yeah. yeah. Cleary will be the, Cleary will be the six. Munster will be the uh, Cleary will be seven. Munster will be the six. I'm assuming Ben Hunt and Grant will share hooking duties, like they do for Queensland. Yeah. Yeah, very, very, very strong side, and yeah. Um, okay, it's the end of twenty two. Do we have an early money prediction on next year? Why don't we do our top four? Because I think we're both going to say Panthers in an order, or just who do you think would be be in the top four? Yeah, okay. Um, I would go Panthers. Sharks, Roosters, Souths. I have the exact same. Yeah. Maybe Eels over Sharks. Maybe. But that would be my top four. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's bad that we think that and like there's no, like it, it just seems like, I don't know, can, like can one of these other teams jump up there? Like we, we've discounted the Cowboys as well. They were strong this year, but again, the week schedule. It's, it, I, we just I would be curious to see how Canberra fare. Yeah, because I think I think they've got the capability in them. I think they I think they finished strongly. Their draw was softer, but they, they had a very disrupted start to the year. And once it got going, they played a good brand of football. Yeah, Savage will be much better yeah. this year. Um, 
after playing an off-season at fullback and training at fullback for an off-season. So that'll help them. You know, Wolford was also a rookie who was yeah. really good at hooker for them. Yeah. It, um, just, it just all depends on the draw as well. Tarpane, like. Tarpane got a huge extension. Yeah. Uh, 850, I think, for three years. It's a lot for a prop. But, you know, he was the best prop in the game this year. Yeah. Uh, but it does it does depend on the draw. It's, it, who's, the draw is going to be a cluster. Yeah, like Penrith, Penrith South, Roosters, Parramatta... They're always, all going to have the toughest draw. Melbourne's the same. Yeah, and they all play each other. They all play each other twice because that will bring in eyes. But and I, I it's a long, it's a long. There's going to be. We, we've spoken about it. Yeah. It's an extra team. There will be an extra buy. Um, there'll be three buys. Uh, I did enjoy the Batuta Advocates article um, about the Dolphins last week and said Wayne Bennett is pulling together his pod, originating from the suburb of the. Given that they have, they have to be called the Dolphins, <laughs> they are. <laughs> they also released their jersey today, which yeah, is horrendous. I know, it I is know. ugly. It's so terrible. Like they're, they're just not being given a chance. No, no. That's kind of the point of it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I said just this. Give them the name Redcliffe. I, I said this. They will not come last next season. No. That is what they will not come last. No. Um, but yeah, uh, the draw is just such a, a thing and um yeah the, the other thing we will have a proper podcast on this and i think we do say it every year but the i was reading a really interesting article today about the draft in the afl because it, it often gets a mention as the solution to all the problems and there's been discussion in the afl how it's not working because the draft is requiring interstate players oh sorry requiring players mostly from victoria um, where obviously AFL has played a lot um, and they, they go into states WA or to, to Queensland or to Sydney and, and they sign these five-year deals um, and then that's how the sort of draft works. It's you get the long-term picks and all that. and then But after two years or one year, these players are walking out on it because walking out on those deals claiming homesickness. And so the Victorian clubs constantly benefit because they get... Um, players that want to stick more with their deals uh, and the the out of out of uh, Victoria clubs don't so it it's something that I think is just going on in the background and sort of like uh, with you know two sets of back-to-back premiers in five years and the Storm, Roosters and Penrith having won the last six grand finals between them there's obviously some sort of clear dis- disparity in the latter yeah and it's obvious because it's always, you know, Souths and the Roosters have become perennial f- finals um, contenders. And Penrith is up there and Melbourne's always up there. And, and Para is so dominant. And despite down year, for example, for Souths, they still got to the prelims. Mm. Um, and I, I just think it, the game can no longer say the salary cap is evening out the competition. No, it's not because team players will happily take less money to go to a contender rather exactly. than exactly. rather than you know and and you're toil talking, around at a, and at a sh- you're even talking about going from one contender to the other. Yeah, exactly. Like Brandon Smith took less money apparently to go to the Roosters. Yeah, where where and and any club in the bottom mate would kill for his services, but yeah. he doesn't want to go there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one other uh, look, I we will one day we will talk about the draft. I am I just don't think that. Rugby league is anywhere near close to being set up for it, knowing how I, it works 
overseas. I just, um, uh, rugby league is just not a professional enough sport. For no, it's we are the rugby league, and I said this to you. It, it's twenty years behind at at least in terms of how it operates compared to other codes around other sporting organisations around the world. Um, one thing that we didn't mention, Dally M's. Yep. Uh, I think we both watched. Mm-hmm. It was a tough watch. Can someone tell me why was Trent Robinson nominated as a coach of the year? <laughs> you haven't, yeah, I, I, look, I don't know. I thought it should have been Demetrio as well. Um, Nico Hines won with 38 points, which yeah. is the most points ever by a player to win the Dally M. Uh, James Tedesco finished second yeah. with 33 points, which he would have which would have won him the award eight out of the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and one of those years was the year that he actually won it in 2018. Mm. So nine out of 10 years. Um, the soft roll obviously helped Nico, but, you know, he played excellent in all of Knight's, in all of the Sharks games. And when he played well, they tended to win. Yeah. So I understand it. Product of the, product of the draw a little bit. Uh, I just thought that the whole... Th- I, you know my thoughts on the Dalliums. I think it's it's a bit of a farce. They announced that Nico Hines was in Team of the Year before they finished doing the count, which meant it ruled out Ben Hunt. Yeah. Um, ben Hunt and Dylan Edwards finished third and fourth. Yeah. Uh, excellent seasons. Get no recognition on the night because of how the awards are done. Yeah. Because they... Uh, came second to players who finished above them in their position. Yeah. I just, I just think that this whole thing needs an overhaul. Yeah, but Mike, there's no way to overhaul it. Yes, there is. The, but there's not because if if the if the Sharks play the Tigers, okay, in the last round, and the Roosters play Souths in the last round, okay, it's Roosters and Souths is a close fought affair, and the Sharks play the Tigers. And, you know, Nico Hines can get three points for scoring 25 points out of Cronulla's 50. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's always going to be... Why, why do we have to vote on it on a game-to-game basis? Why How can't it be... It? Why can't you... Why can't you... There's plenty of media people out there who have no affiliations with the clubs. Mm-hmm. And this is how other leagues do it. Yeah. They vote at the end of a the year. They, they look at the season as a whole, not on an individual game basis. They look at the season as a whole. This is... And, and they vote. You get five, four, three, two, one. You get five votes. These are the best players. You get five to five to the player who you think is the best, and it, it takes out the game to game thing. Because the media have vested interests. You sit there and you watch NRL three hundred and sixty. Of course, of course, of course they do, and that's why I'm saying that. Like you have to get the people who don't have any affiliation with any of the clubs or any of the players. Can I confirm that when James Tedesco won the Dally M? Yeah. That they used this system. They did. Yeah. I, look, sometimes it does work. I, look, I, <laughs> but like the white and one, for example. I, I know, I get it, I get it, but I just, I don't think there's a better, there's a better. I just think it's, no, I just don't I, make I, it a thing. Then I hate it. I hate it. Whatever. <laughs> right, do it by players player. El Tedesco won that. Yeah, do it by that. Do yeah. players team. The players know best. Yeah, they're not going to pick anyone but their own side. So yeah. They have less vested interest in the media, other than it does become a bit like Eurovision, where you you know Souths won't vote for the Roosters, the Roosters won't vote for Souths, the Dragons wouldn't vote for the Sharks, the Sharks wouldn't vote for the Dragons, yeah, the Eels wouldn't vote for the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs wouldn't vote for the Manly, yeah. Well, the other way to do it is you, you know you have all the coaches vote and you can't vote for your own players. Yeah. The other thing is 
that um, it was actually the smallest NRL grand final audience on record. Really? Since uh, rating surveys began in 2000. As in the viewership? Um, yeah, so it, it, so the, the way they do it is they do five cities. Yeah. Uh, the five major capitals, sort of, they take the ratings yeah. from that. And it, of course, it was number one, had a 46% audience share in those markets, but it, it was the lowest in terms of people actually tuning in. Now, this doesn't... What, was the, what was the number? Do you know? It was, um, yeah, it was like 1.6 in those, in that... Let me just confirm. Because I know, I know the AFL had 2.4. AFL, and the AFL was low too. And I think it's off the back of last year where everyone was home and watching it um, because of Sydney lockdown. Well, the thing but is... But also uh, that the result was was known to everyone very early on. Yeah. So... Well, the other thing is, like, I was at a pub. There would have been a 1,000 people watching it. Yeah. So how does, how does that I get... Think it, I think that gets taken into account separately but yeah so sorry let me just find this so 1.67 including 837,000 in Sydney now it doesn't take into account um, video on demand services um, which are calculated separately and usually get released the next day but they haven't been released yet so that might explain everything it's just I think it's just it's a lot of things. It's, I think. I think. I think. Uh, uh, I've seen. Fatigue, I've seen, no, but I've seen this on all sports where cord cutting has helped viewership. Uh, has has resulted in viewership being dropped. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, on on all platforms, on everything, TV shows don't get viewings like they used to because you know people just stream it later or watch it on their phone, yeah. which doesn't come into it type thing. So yeah, I, I should you read into it? Well, maybe a little bit of concern. But I don't think it's overly... I don't think it's overly, but I just think it's interesting about the game sort of relying on these broadcast dollars. Mm. And it's kind of like, well, you're not paying for what you used to get, yeah. so to speak. Uh, the other thing, NRLW? Yeah. Knights won. Knights won. Awesome. My smoky for the year. It was your smoky. Uh, Millie uh, Boyle was awesome. Yeah, Tamika was Upton was incredible. Yeah. And Jesse Southwell, 17 years old. A very, very gracious speech from the Parramatta captain as well. Yeah. Um, one of the nicest, most genuine speeches I've ever heard a footballer give. So, um, very good. But a, a tough, tough day for Parramatta fans mm. um, who had the opportunity to go home as NRL and NRL premiers. Yeah. Couldn't get either done. No. All right. Well, I think we are done. Anything else you want to touch on? No. There's already been a couple off-field incidences, but been. we will leave that for another time. Well, it's um, only been two days. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's hope that this rate does not continue, otherwise we might not have any players come next season. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so the draw will come out in a month. The Rugby World Cup is on. Um, it'll be a very short pre-season, and then... We'll have some sort of Roosters salary cap overhaul article late December. And by yeah, well, no, end of November, January, we'll have a new team. New November 1st, obviously, players can start signing. Obviously, the big name out there is Cam Munster. Yeah, he won't uh, sign on November 1. No, he won't. But I think by the end of the World Cup, I think we'll have information regarding a lot of players. So yeah. Well, we should, I, Melbourne might announce their new coach by then. They could. They very well could. So, look... Never, uh, end of World Cup I think we'll do a podcast yeah yeah yeah. and then probably won't be back till the start of next season that's it sounds good sounds good Mike alright uh, as always thank you everyone for tuning in this year 
Thank and you listening to, to our, um, our excellent produ- production team of Michael Corbin, <laughs> who's done an outstanding job. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, as always, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, any feedback, anything, you know where to reach us. Uh, and one last, for one last time this season, Emmanuel, how good is rugby league? How good is rugby league? Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.